And now we'll have a reading, Edward Schroeder's Fundamental Principles, read by Nick, our presenter, Nick Schreitzer. Thank you. My name is Nick Schweitzer. My preferred pronouns are E, er, and M. That's a different discussion. For today, I'm reading a long paragraph that was written by Eduard Schroeder, whom I will speak about quite a bit later in my presentation. And this is the um, discussion he wrote when establishing the first free thought congregation in Wisconsin. In the, in the Milwaukee area. We call our society the United Free German Congregation. Its purpose is to unite the foes of clericalism, official dishonesty, and hypocrisy, and to unite the friends of truth, uprightness, and honesty. All those holding the same views but now found scattered among all religions, churches, and sects. By such a union of our strength, we intend to erect a firm bulwark against the pernicious system of church, sect, and clerical domination. While making our first appeal to the Germans, we do not wish to be understood as excluding other nationalities. Rather, we shall make it our business to enter into fraternal relations with others who are aiming at reforms similar to our own. All authority rests in the congregation and in all its members, men and women alike, shall have equal rights. The foundation for the congregation shall be reason and the great teachings of nature and history. The purpose of the congregation shall not be the sub subjection of human beings to an external authority, the respect for a person or a book in order to secure their bliss by such unconditional obedience, but the exact opposite of this their mental and moral freedom, their independence and individuality in thought, will, decision, and action. The means to this end, consequently, are not supernatural and incomprehensible means of grace, but the natural and comprehensible means by which a human being influences and inspires the mind and heart of his fellows through speech, song, and the mutual exchange of opinions. We do not exclude certain rites and ceremonies so long as they are not compulsory and they are sensible and beautiful, such as in connection with birth, death, marriage, etc. We have no dogmas or decrees fixed for all time, but only fundamental principles and general views of the world which are subject to continual clarification. We seek to attain for ourselves an independent view of life and in accordance with it to shape our individual lives. We do not decree a theoretical atheism that denies or disbelieves the existence of a supreme being, but we acknowledge a practical atheism by living so that we can interpret any supreme being as we desire and hold our own conception of immortality. We know of no priestly office as the sole bearer of the spirit and the truth, nor of a laity as mere empty vessels to be filled by it, as the Catholic and Protestant churches do to a greater or lesser extent. We do recognize a speaker or teacher whom the congregation is free to select and appoint after it has satisfied itself of his vocation, qualification, and moral character.
So today our presentation is The Last Friar Gemeinheit, The Free Congregation of Sauk County by Nick Schweitzer. Nick has been a member of FUS for 40 some odd years and a member of FCSC, First uh, Congregation of Sauk County, for about 10. And he's attended programs at the other UU congregations over the years, Prairie and James Reed. Nick is currently the president of the board of Sauk City, another lay congregation. And for the last two summers, Nick has arranged a table at the farmer's market for atheists, agnostics, humanists, skeptics, and free thinkers. I'd like us to all welcome Nick. Thank you. The last Freie Gemeinde. Starting around the middle of the 19th century, scores of Freie Gemeinden, free thought societies in German, were established by German immigrants to the US. The free congregation of Sauk County appears to be the last one remaining. As current president of the board of directors of our lay-led congregation, I will present its past history, its present situation, and some prospects for its future. The two questions I intend to address are, why is there a free-thinking congregation of German heritage in Sauk City, and why is it the last in the US? The story starts in a time of social intellectual and religious ferment in Central Europe. As many of you know, there was no Germany back then. Instead, there were some 39 separate entities, principalities, duchies, grand duchies, electorates, free cities, kingdoms, and empires that all spoke various forms of German. In the early 1800s, among other things, German universities engaged in scholarly biblical studies. In particular, two very influential books questioned official church doctrine and contributed to an increased appreciation of the historical development of Christianity. These were David Strauss's 1835, Life of Jesus, and Ludwig Feuerbach's 1841, The Essence of Christianity. Strauss examined the historical Jesus and among other things, denied his divinity. Feuerbach concluded, among other things, that faith and love are inherently opposing forces and that one cannot simultaneously be a person of faith and a loving person. Let me repeat that. <laughs> one cannot simultaneously be a person of faith and a loving person. Think about how outrageous that must have been and maybe whether you agree with it. <laughs> then. In 1844, a catalyzing event occurred when the Roman Catholic Bishop of Trier put on display in his cathedral a garment that was alleged to be the seamless holy cloak of Jesus, promising blessing, blessing and health to all who made the pilgrimage to Trier to touch the cloak and make a donation. The idea of displaying a supposedly holy relic in order to encourage the common people to give money to the church outraged a Catholic priest named Johannes Ronge. 
You will remember that it was the church's adoption of a similar crass commercialism over 300 years earlier that in large part caused Martin Luther to post his 95 theses in 1517 on the church door in Wittenberg and thereby spark the Reformation. At that time, the Pope had authorized the selling of indulgences to finance the rebuilding of St. Peter's. As one preacher explained, the very moment the coin clinked in the box, the soul for whom the indulgence was purchased would be freed from purgatory. The image on the left is a certificate from the 1600s advertising indulgences in return for cash contributions to build a shrine. The image on the right actually shows criticism of the practice much earlier. In 1412, Jan Hus, the leader of the Reformation in Bohemia, had condemned the selling of indulgences. And from a Czech manuscript a few years later, this is Satan selling indulgences. Johannes Ronga wrote a letter to his bishop denouncing the campaign, pointing out that there were at least 20 other holy cloaks in Germany alone. Ronga was chastised and eventually excommunicated. But the letter was printed in the newspapers and it ignited a large-scale movement that some called a Second German Reformation. In early 1845, Ronga's parish in Breslau, now Wroclaw, Poland, off the map to the left, right, became the universal Christian congregation with 7,000 members. Many other cities followed suit, and later that year, representatives of 27 congregations gathered in Leipzig. The statement they issued proclaimed, and I will read this whole thing, that the sole basis of Christian faith was to be the Bible, interpreted by each for himself in the light of reason and conscience. The primacy of the Pope was rejected, along with oral confessions, the celibacy of the clergy, the worship of saints, indulgences, fasts, pilgrimages, anathemas, excommunications, and the adoration of relics and pictures. Complete freedom of conscience was asserted, along with complete freedom in the study and interpretation of scripture, unlimited by outside authority. The number of congregations quickly grew to 200, and an effective intellectual catalyst behind the protests were the Freie Gemeinden. These were congregations or societies that wanted to free religion from dogma and the authority of revealed truth. They sought to base a person's search for meaning in reason, critical thinking, the study of nature and world history, the inspiration of music and the arts, and the principles of democracy. This free thought spirit is captured in the song or hymn most associated with the movement, Die Gedanken sind frei, which we'll sing later. As I said, this was a period of social, intellectual, and religious ferment, but that wasn't all that was going on. The impetus toward reform of the church happened to coincide with efforts in society to reform the countries, the political systems. In addition to his ecclesiastic reforms, Johannes Ronge also became active in this effort to remake Germany along democratic lines and to unify and liberalize the states and principalities that make up today's Germany. Numerous popular movements sprang up and a convocation was held in Frankfurt in 1848 to propose a new governance model for all the German states but the differing interests proved to be <clears throat> too incompatible and it failed to reach any workable solution. 
There is a lesson there about the difficulty of getting liberal independent thinkers to work together. The various local movements never really coalesced or unified. There were some local uprisings around the country, but they were eventually put down in what came to be called the Revolution of 1848. Some of the leaders were executed and other members of the movement felt the need to leave Germany. Many Germans emigrated to the United States where they were sometimes referred to as 48ers. In 1849, Ronga went to England taking with him Bertha Meyer, the woman whom he married after denouncing celibacy, and her sister, Margareta Meyer. The two sisters had studied the idea of early childhood education from Friedrich Froebel, a name some of you might recognize as the creator of Froebel blocks, a set of blocks that Frank Lloyd Wright played with as a child. Bertha started the first kindergarten in England, while Margareta after marrying Karl Schurz, notable in his own right, but not part of this story, and them emigrating to the U.S., started the first kindergarten in America in Watertown, Wisconsin. This building still standing is listed in the National Register of Historic Places. I will now switch from Germany to the U.S. and the free congregation movement here. Though the majority of German immigrants to the U.S. were Catholic or Lutheran, among them were a significant number of free thinkers who established scores of Freie Gemeinden, possibly as many as a hundred. There was never any official census, estimates vary, and different sources mention different congregations. According to one source, the first Freie Gemeinde in the United States began in St. Louis in 1850. During the next 25 or 30 years, Freie Gemeinden were found in German settlements from New York to San Francisco, as far south as Texas. The strongest Gemeinden were those established in St. Louis, Philadelphia, Sauk City, Washington, D.C., Milwaukee, Baltimore, and San Francisco. Those smaller ones existed for a time in communities in Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, and Minnesota. In 1852, Wisconsin had 32 Freie Gemeinde congregations. According to one source, the first free congregation of Wisconsin was established south of Milwaukee in Painesville, which is now Franklin, and then when a Lutheran church in Milwaukee decided to declare its freedom from orthodoxy, it invited Edward Schroeder, a 48er who had been lecturing in the East, to come to Milwaukee and organize them as a free congregation. Edward Schroeder, whose name sometimes appears with the umlaut and sometimes with the OE, had been a Lutheran minister in Worms, where, coincidentally, the trial of Martin Luther had taken place. And in 1847, he had organized his parish as a free congregation, which led the Grand Duke of Hesse-Darmstadt to order him exiled. So in 1850, he left with his wife for the U.S., Shortly after Schrader arrived in New York, he organized a free congregation there, and then embarked on a tour to New England where he met Theodore Parker, who many of you recognize as a prominent Unitarian minister. However, Parker told Schrader that his revolutionary free congregation principles were too radical even for the Unitarians of New England at the time. <laughs> Nevertheless, Schrader succeeded in forming Freie Gemeinden in Boston, Norwich, Hartford, New Haven, and Bridgeport. 
1851, he responded to the invitation I already mentioned from the Lutheran Reformed Congregation near Milwaukee to start a free congregation there. And after he arrived, he began publishing a German-language newspaper called The Humanist. In the same year, he published The Fundamental Principles for a United Free German Congregation, which I read to you earlier. In 1852, a congregation was started in Sauk City by Karl Dürer, who had previously been a member of a humanist group nearby. And when Edward Schrader arrived later that year, the congregation was organized formally with 87 men and women signing the charter. Schrader traveled around Wisconsin, and by the end of 1852, he had established more than two dozen other congregations in the state. I'll let you read the list. I don't need to go through that. In 1859, an attempt was made to form a national association of congregations, the Bund der Freie Gemeinden für Nordamerika. But only three congregations attended, St. Louis, Philadelphia, and Sauk County. They drafted a constitution that, among other things, gave the National Association no power whatever to dictate to the individual congregations. But the idea of a national association never caught on. There's a lesson there about the difficulty of getting liberal independent thinkers to work together. <laughs> From its earliest beginnings up to the present, our congregation has always celebrated three holidays. The first two are Frühlingsfest, Spring Festival, and Stiftungsfest, our Founders Day. Here is a photo of a Stiftungsfest from over 100 years ago and a rather smaller <laughs> Stiftungsfest from just a couple of years ago. Our third holiday is Paine's Fest, the birthday of Thomas Paine, who, as I hope you know, was highly regarded in Europe in, as an influential American free thinker. This is the sole icon that appears at the front of our hall on the podium behind the speaker, Payne. Portraits of other persons have always hung in the hall, naturally all white males. There are Johann von Goethe, Friedrich Schiller, Nicholas Copernicus, Ralph Waldo Emerson. A couple of others are Johannes Gutenberg and Thomas Payne. But we are now finally in the process of rotating some of them out to be replaced by others worthy of our veneration. And we're starting with Mary Wollstonecraft and Margaret Fuller. Free-thinking societies in the US often existed in association with the Turnvereins. And you may remember that there, are turn, there is still a Turnverein in Milwaukee. There was one in Madison, which was raised many years ago. The Sauk City Freigemeinde became one of the centers of free thought and the free in the United States, largely because Edward Schrader's writings and speeches gained him a national and international reputation. The freethinkers were a powerful force in the community. This somewhat self-celebrating plaque says they dominated the cultural, economic, and intellectual life of Sauk City well into the 20th century. It is true that they were, they were the editors of the local press, members of the community council, leaders of local clubs, representatives of the village planning commission, and officers of the school board. 
For many years, they did provide a cultural leader, leadership, and the early members of the Free Church had unequivocally high status in the community. Of the many free congregations established in America, most did not survive the First World War and the pervasive anti-German prejudice that accompanied it. However, in Wisconsin, the governor during World War I was Emanuel Philip, who had grown up in Sauk County of Swiss immigrant parents. He not only underwrote the equipment purchases for National Guardsmen, he protected German Americans from persecution and harassment on the home front. All Freigemeinde programs and activities um, at our meeting house, called Park Hall, were conducted in German until conflict in Europe loomed again, and in 1937, at the urging of our younger members, the congregation adopted English for its meetings and records and translated its official name to the Free Congregation of Sauk County. During World War II, renewed anti-German sentiment forced many more German establishments and customs to disappear across the U.S., and only about a dozen free congregations survived that period. And even after that, attrition nationwide has continued to the point where as far as we can tell, the free congregation of Sauk City is the last survivor of that proud tradition. It is now in its 171st year. Wisconsin was, for, me, for a good reason, the most likely place for such a holdout. In the 1990 census, Wisconsin was the most Germanic state in the Union. Of a population of 4.9 million, over 53%, 2.6 million, reported that their ancestry was primarily or secondarily German. In 1955, faced with declining numbers and an aging membership, the Free Congregation decided to affiliate with the American Unitarian Association. And later, when that association merged with the Universalist denomination in 1961, the Salk Congregation took on the formal name it holds today, the Free Congregation of Salk County, a Unitarian Universalist Fellowship. Our current statement of purpose says, we, the members of the Free Congregation of Salk County, choosing not to be governed by a fixed creed or dogma, but rather to be guided by the principles of both our free thought founders and the Unitarian Universalists, come together as a religious community to help one another in strengthening the spiritual, ethical, and moral dimensions of our lives and to be of service to our world. Being suspicious of ecclesiastic authority and faithful to Edward Schroeder's admonition, the congregation has never had a minister. From 1853 to 1866, Schroeder was the speaker and obviously an important spiritual and organizational leader, but then for over a century, no other individual served as speaker until 1989 when Max Gabler assumed that role. At least some of you knew Max. After retiring as minister of the First Unitarian Society in Madison in 1987, he served for a year as an exchange minister in southwestern Germany with the Free Congregation of Baden. Upon his return, he became Sauk County's formal speaker from 1989 to 1993, and then an informal and occasional speaker until 2007. 
Since then, the congregation has contracted with a small number of individuals to take turns delivering messages as associate speakers. The current four are Rob Brink, Pema Antoniotti, David Butler, and Robin Proud. The congregation currently has its home in Park Hall, which I showed you earlier, a simple but stately meeting house built by the congregation in 1884. It is also simple and stately inside. We have stained glass windows, which are just colored squares. The architectural plans for the hall were drafted in 1884 by Alfred Cla Charles Kloss, who was born in Sauk City and brought up in a German-speaking family and in the Freigemeinde. And after later moving to Milwaukee, he joined George Bowman Ferry, with whom he designed the Pabst Mansion, as well as the Milwaukee Public Library, the Wisconsin State Historical Society building, three homes for Charles Ringling and Olin House, now the UW-Madison Chancellor's residence. We undertook a major renovation project of the interior of Park Hall from 2020 to 2022, restoring and repainting the interior. Those of you who attend the joint service next week will see it sort of as it always was, but a bit cleaner, uh, cleaner and brighter. I have been a member of Park Hall for some years now, and in 2020, I was elected president of the Board of Directors. I have been looking for ways to connect to, participate in, contribute to the larger free thought community. And now that we've developed the technology to congregate remotely and virtually, possibly even locating and reuniting remnants of the vanished Freigemeinden from around the country, I am concerned even worried that our little flame of free thought might disappear, as so many others in this country have. I've tried to reach out to find members of some of those other congregations. I placed an ad in the UU world to locate people who may have been members of the Gemeinde in other cities. I contacted the Max Cotta Institute at the UW, the Ethical Society of St. Louis, which was clearly the successor to the Freie Gemeinde there, for leads, but without any success so far. However, two years ago, I discovered that we are not as alone as I feared. I was in Germany for an unrelated event in the southwestern state of Hessen, which just happens to be Wisconsin's German sister state. I remembered that it was the Duke of Hesse-Darmstadt who exiled Edward Schrader, and that Max Gabler had spent a year as an exchange minister with the Free Congregation of Baden, so I googled free religious congregations in Germany, and I found three, Baden, Pfalz, and Offenbach. I sent messages to them and initially received no replies. But the one in Offenbach was very close to where I was going to be, and I sent an email again to the online address. And amazingly, the pastor of the congregation responded, and we arranged to meet a few hours before I was to board my flight home. I was able to visit this meeting house where I found a thriving Freethought congregation. And in addition, I saw this poster headed Weltbund für Religiose Freiheit, or International Association for Religious Freedom, which had held its Congress in Offenbach in 2020. It isn't like Madison's Freedom from Religion Foundation, which seeks to free people from all religion. Instead, it is open to people of all religions, or none, 
who believe in freedom of religious expression and tolerance of religious ideas. Finding out about the International Association has opened up a new world, literally, of possibilities. I have just started on this new venture. After I contacted the IARF about our free congregation participating, I convinced our congregation, without much controversy and for a nominal contribution, to become a member of it. The IARF is hosting its 36th World Congress in Romania in two months at the Unitarian College in the city of Cluj, and I'm going there with my wife. I don't know exactly what I hope to accomplish <laughs> in order to preserve or build our free congregation here. Maybe we can generate some tourism. But I'm excited to be a part of a movement for liberal religious thought with members from around the world. I will be very interested to see if it's possible to overcome the difficulty of getting liberal independent thinkers to work together. That's the end of my presentation on the past, present, and possible future of the Free Congregation, open for comments and questions. In my introduction, it was mentioned that I spend my Saturday mornings on the Farmer's Market Square uh, around the Capitol, and I have a table there for atheists, humanists, skeptics, agnostics, and free thinkers. And every morning, we, we don't get a huge amount of traffic, not as much as the um, chocolate chip cookie place across the way. <laughs> But we, we get a fair number of people who will stop by and talk. And I ask most of them, do you have any, any community? I mean, they'll, they'll identify as atheists or something else. And I say, right on, we're glad you're here. I'll ask if they have any community, and most of them say no. Most of them say, I'm, I'm just on my own. You know, that's the way I am. So it really is difficult to get those people, to co us, to cooperate. UUA and the IAR. I was just thrilled when I heard about the IARF. Um, I don't honestly know what they will agree on, um, and I'm going to find that out. The UUA has had its ups and downs recently. Uh, I am, I'm really glad to see national organizations and international organizations that sort of keep the flame alive. But it's a mix, I have really mixed feelings about it. The word community is exactly what excites me about any of our quasi-religious organizations. I had thought, uh, looking at the statistics, that it was only the mainline religions which were losing their membership, but indeed it's, it's the UU and, and all of us. Um, ours has stayed pretty stable over the last 20 years, just <laughs> like 60 members, but... Um, no, I, it, all religions are going down, and I, you put your finger on, the, on it, it's what I talk to the people on the square on Saturday morning of it, with, about. Um, communities are really important, and finding communities of like-minded people can serve an awful lot of uh, good purposes in your life. I don't know, that's a lecture. Well, thank, thanks a lot, Nick, for a wonderful performance. Uh,